0: Before you tune me out and say preachers shouldn't have anything to say about politics, just hear me out and then hate me later, okay? Uh, so as we look at this, uh, what is it saying? What is he saying to me? So Paul received this word, and, uh, but he persevered anyway. And as a result, he was arrested. And uh, chapter 21, chapter 22, uh, he's arrested. And then Paul, in chapter 22, appeals uh, to, see, uh, to not only to Caesar, but he appeals, he appeals to Rome. As he says, I'm a Roman citizen, and I want to I I go. Uh, it's kind of like this. When I go to another country uh, for do, to do ministry, they say, if you get in any trouble, run to the embassy. Always know where the embassy is. Run to the embassy and appeal to the embassy. And so uh, I know right where the embassy is in Peru, and uh, I have it plugged into my GPS because I might get in trouble so I can run to the embassy and, and plead citizenship. And that's what Paul did. Now, why was Paul in trouble? For preaching the gospel. Why was he in trouble? For preaching the whole counsel of the word of God. Do you realize. That the most hated. Most unpopular person in the world. Is the man of God. Who's going to preach to you the whole counsel. The whole counsel of the word of God. And uh, they're bigots. They're insensitive. They're narrow minded. They're. uh, uh, The list goes on and on. Uh, I remember when I was a, a child. Growing up, the two most respected people in the community was the principal of your local school and the pastor. Now, that's come full circle. The two most despised people in your local city is the principal and your local pastor. And so Paul got in trouble for preaching the gospel. And so he appeals to Rome, and God told him that he was going to go to Rome. And so that is the journey that we pick up in chapter 27. The voyage began. But, all of a sudden, they found themselves in the middle of a storm in verse 13. Can I tell you that sometimes when you're in the will of God, you will find yourself in the middle of a storm? Just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean He removes you from the storm. It doesn't mean He takes you out of the storm, but He calms the storms around you. you got to remember that Jesus told His disciples when they thought they were going down, He said, Did I not tell you that we were going to the other side? And when God gives you a promise, you've got to go to the other side. You believe that you're going to go to the other side. When we look at this, we understand a couple of things about this and what God is saying. God is saying to us in an interesting dynamic that Paul was traveling to Rome. He found himself in the middle of a storm, in the middle of finding himself in a storm. It says in verse 23 of chapter 27, I'm not going to read all of this to you because I know you're, you're already thinking about what you're going to eat in a few minutes. But he put down four anchors so that the storm would not destroy the ship. That's what the Bible says, starting in verse 23. Paul got a word from the Lord. An angel came to him and brought him, and he said, Paul, don't be afraid. I've granted you safe passage. Take heart, men. I believe that God will bring us through. And so it says that they put out these soundings to find out where the land was, and they heard it 20 fathoms away. They checked it again. It was 15 fathoms away. And so verse 29, fearing lest they wreck the ship, they set out the four anchors. Now, I have heard many a message on these four anchors. Matter of fact, don't do it right now. But you can Google this or bang it on Google, however you want to do that. Uh, and you can find out all kinds of sermons on these four anchors on this ship. But that's not what I want to talk to you about. Because at some point, at some point, the thing that you are trusting in the most may become your very liability. I had the opportunity this week to share my story and uh, in a couple of different places, my testimony and my testimony is this passage of scripture. And I believe it's relevant to us today because there comes a point in your life where the thing you've trusted in your most, the most, your whole life, the thing you are most familiar with your whole life becomes your liability. It becomes the very thing that might just take you down. For instance, they're in the middle of a storm. At some point, if your little vessel is fastened and pinned by an anchor to the bottom of the sea, and the winds are blowing and they're coming over the side of the ship, at some point those waves could capso- could could come over because there's no buoyancy in your in your boat. I had a friend of mine who has a really nice boat. Uh, my aunt and uncle have a home on the Aimee River and. Uh, the it, it's built uh, 18 feet in the air and it got water in it can you say a lot of water i mean you're 18 feet in there but they were out of town and some of their boats even went under because they were fastened to the trailer they were secure in a building therefore the boat that floats was pinned down and it was submerged Because it didn't have enough power to overcome the things that was pinning it down. Can I tell you today that in life, sometimes there's going to be the thing that you're trusting in that just might pin you down, and it might just be the cause of you going under. Therefore, there comes a point when you've got to trust in God more than your spiritual anchors, more than the things that you're familiar with, more than denomination, more than your job, more than your home, more than your family, more than your mall, more than your co workers more than your buddies you've got to trust in god in this sermon today more than your government more than your republican party more than your democrat party more than any of that you've got to get to the point where you trust jesus do you still love me say amen all right what does the bible say about all this Well, the bible says that paul reached a point where he came up with a plan and we're going to look at that plan in detail but what what does that mean for us in this culture in this climate that we're in? What it means is, church, we have found ourselves in the middle of a perfect storm. We have found ourselves. I love this that I saw on social media They had a picture of Donald Trump and of Hillary Clinton, and said, "Out of three million people, these are our options." I mean, like, really, these are the two. I mean, how many has anybody else ever thought that? I mean, just out of the whole United States of America. I've I've been thinking about that the last several presidential elections. I'm just like, really? Out of all the people in this country, really? This is who it is. And so as we look at that, what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, it means something that's very hard for us to get our arms around. How many of you believe things aren't like they used to believe? B. How many of you believe that our nation is not what it once was? I remember that our president caused a lot of problems in this nation when he was first elected, and he said, because America is not a Christian nation, and the church got all up in arm over that, but I want you to understand something. I believe he was probably right, because all of the laws, all of our governing, and everything that we've been doing has been contrary to the word of God. I mean, listen, you you can't say you're one thing and live another. Listen, some of those days have far gone past, and you just can can't lay it at the doorstep of any one party they're all guilty as charged but so is the church because the church is sat idly by what's wrong with america the church what's wrong with america the church the church It's not declared to preach the whole counsel of the word of God. We've been trying to build empires. We've been trying to build earth-made kingdoms that can be destroyed in one moment. We've been more interested in influence and power and prestige than we are in the church on leaving a mark in our city. Listen, what the world what our city of Alexandria needs more than anything is a church to rise up and say, look, I am interested in what God says. I am interested in what God says more than anything else. So what does the Bible say to us about all this? Well, I gave you a lot of scriptures that it talks about. But there's one familiar to me. And it's in the book of Exodus 18 and 21. Moses found himself in a a hard place. He was the leader ruling all these children of Israel. And in 1821, his father-in-law Jethro came to him. And he said, moreover, Moses, what you're doing is not right. What you need to do is select from all these people, able men who fear God, Hold the truth hate coveting and put them as rulers over thousands five hundred hundreds fifties and tens now That's really kind of a picture of our government when you think about it There was Moses who would be at the top and then there was there was rulers from the states who were coming up out of that Who would be rulers of 500 rulers of a hundred rulers of 50 rulers of 10? I mean think about it. you have a president you have a congress or the whole congress the house of representatives a senate bring that on down, you break it on down even smaller, and then you come to a governor, and then you come from the governor, you come right down to the police juror, God love them. Well, I I still had not figured out, I don't mean this to be offensive if you're watching online, I I haven't understood why somebody won't be a police juror. I mean, they don't have any money, they can't do a whole lot, and all they ever do is stay in trouble with the local people. Right down to the leaders of ten, you see that? And so when you think about this, here's what God said about them. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that they need to be able men. They need to be men that are capable, men that fear God, men that are men of integrity, men of truth, and then they need to be not coveting people. And when you think about that, that's one of the greatest problems in politics today is they're all a bunch of coveters. I mean, therefore, that's why it becomes so corrupt uh, Is because they're, they're trying to acquire more. They want power. They want prominence. They love that position. They, have you ever heard this statement? I don't know what happened to him. He got to, he got to Washington and he changed. i tell you what happened. The power of coveting. I mean, when you begin to look at all that stuff. And here's what God says in 2 Samuel 23 and 3. He says, the, men, the people who rule over my people should fear God. So when we're looking at that, we say that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we need to find people who fear him, find people who honor him, find people who are people of truth, and find people who don't covet. Amen. Now, when you think about this, what does that have to do with us today? A lot. Because you need to understand that we're looking for people of integrity. You need to understand, number one, that you're not voting for a pastor. You already have one. You need to understand that we're not voting for a pastor-in-chief, but you're voting for a commander-in-chief. But it needs to be people of principle, people of principle. You say, oh, Lord, what are we going to do this year? Well, hold on, maybe we'll figure something out. So here's what it says. What does the Bible say? That's what the Bible says about people who are leaders. What is the Bible saying to me? Here's what it says to us. Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse 2. Write it down. Write this down. Here's what it says. Should you, question mark, should you help the wicked and love people who hate me. Wow. Oh Lord. Question mark. Should you love the wicked and hate people and love people who hate me? Now, one of the problems is that for years the church has been the silent majority and we've been so liberal in our theology that it's affected the way we cast our ballot. People are always looking for a voter guide, okay? This is the best voter guide you'll ever get. Find a principle, find a position they stand on, and vote according to the Scripture. You say, but they don't agree with everything according to the Scripture. Well, no, because they're human, because they're trying to get elected. They're all over the place. They're crazy. And when you think about this, the interesting dynamic of what he's saying is, should you, should you, what is the Bible saying to me? Here it is. Should I help people who are wicked? Should I help people who hate God? Now, it's not real hard. The reason it's hard is kind of like it's it's hard for me to preach to you the whole counsel of the Word of God. It's hard for me to realize that things have changed. It's hard for you to realize that this isn't the same country that you used to live in, that you grew up in. It's hard to believe that, that we have evolved. It's hard to believe that so many people are in favor of socialism. It leaves us scratching our head. It's hard to believe, it's hard to believe, it's hard to believe. But what's hard to believe is that we are trusting and we are trying to pledge our allegiance to a Republican party, to a Democratic party, to a Libertarian party. We're trying to pledge our allegiance to an Independent party when what we just really need to do is pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ, who in him all things exist, and by him, and for him, and through his power, and he anoints kings, and he places rulers in those positions by his good power. The problem is that, you know, guys, it's not your grandma's Democratic Party anymore. And what do you do about that? It's not your grandpa's Republican Party anymore. What do you do about that? you got to find somebody that will at least verbally commit to doing what's right. Even though we know in the end they normally don't. The option is not for you to sit out idly by. The option is for you to be engaged. The option for you is not to vote for somebody that doesn't have a chance. The The opportunity for us is to find somebody. I mean, if somebody, and boy, I could start ticking some stuff off here, and I'm not going to because you're going to think I'm picking on people, and I'm not. I'm just trying to share to you what God says. Find somebody that will at least verbally commit to policies that aren't contradicting God's word. Here's a good example. Let me give it to you. How many of you have been watching the Olympics? Uh, Four of us, okay. And uh, so how many of you heard of this? All four of us probably heard of this girl, Simone. Simone, the gymnast. I'm telling you, what's that? Four foot eight of, of dynamite, amen? And uh, man, she's just been racking up gold medals and doing phenomenal things. Do you know what's interesting about her was her testimony. I shared her testimony with somebody this week, uh, last week, because her mom was a drug addict and she never knew her daddy. So it's re- I'm really impressed that she's here. I'm really impressed that she wasn't aborted, you know. I mean, matter of fact, it's a culture that we live in. It's okay matter of fact our current president said if my teenage daughter got pregnant I would be okay with her aborting that baby so that it doesn't affect her life now now now, just stay with me for a minute chill out a second I'm not trying to get us stirred up and I'm not trying to get on points I'm trying to say that that's the culture that we live in that it's about us but this young mama who was a drug addict took that child gave her up for adoption and somebody found favor with that girl and turned her life around and gave her a whole and a future in this world and now she is on a platform of the world stage making a difference wow wow listen we need to get to the point where we at least find somebody that agrees with those principles i was talking to somebody he said i'm just so sick and tired of those stories i said well i'm not i never get tired of the story of life i never get tired of it i never get tired of it what's the bible saying to me don't hate those people don't don't partner with people democracy is such a challenge there was this president that was elected in a climate much like the climate that we're in uh his name was john adams i ever heard of him and uh john adams here's what he said he said democracy never lasts long it soon wastes exhausts and murders itself <laughs> matter of fact here, here's the word he said it commits suicide He said democracy will eventually commit suicide because the desire of the majority of the people are often for injustice in humanity and against the minority as demonstrated by every page through the corridors of history. You know what's sad about that is he's right. It wasn't a statement that he just threw out there loosely trying to get some applause, easy applause lines. He was saying I have studied the pages of history and democracies never last. And so when we think about this, what is the Bible saying to me? We've got to find somebody who will most reflect the word of God. Most reflect the word of God. That's what we got to do. you got to just put blinders on and quit saying, who are they affiliated with? And so when we think about this, it brings us to the quotation that we sometimes think about where we realize that we have got to get to the point where you can't vote like you used to. Please don't... Boy, y'all sure shouting me down with some amens. We can't go like we used to go. I, I wish you could. But those days, the, the night's far past. Because we have found ourselves in the situation of Paul. We have chaplains in our military who are getting in trouble for preaching the Word of God. We have preachers in our states that are being sued. For standing on the word of God. I'm telling you we're headed for turbulent times. So what must we do? Well let me just let you on a little secret. I don't care who. I mean I do care who gets elected. That's my personal preference. But it ain't going to make much difference. Our country is so divided. It is so divisive. That our leaders have begun to lead and rule by executive order. We have bypassed the whole concept of democracy rule. And we have gone in a way that we have never gone as a nation. But what started this nation was that at some point there was a group of people who desired to have freedom for religion, not freedom from religion. So they took all of their possessions and their family and they placed them in a wind-driven vessel and set sail across the water to go to a land where they could just worship God. Now isn't it amazing that the very reason that those families risked Everything is at a place where we can't do it anymore. It's not freedom from religion, it's freedom for religion, is what we were founded upon. Now, what must we do? We've got to get to the point where we've got to no longer be silent. Quit calling ourselves the silent majority and rise up and give an account for ourselves according to the Word of God. How did the story end with Paul? There he is in a tumultuous time, he's guilty. He's charged for preaching the gospel, the whole council of the word of God. The religious leaders are against him on this side. The political leaders are against him on this side. I understand a little bit of what he was talking about. And so there he is in the middle of the ocean moving to Rome to appeal to the most powerful political leader of the day, the Roman Empire. He's going there to stand before him. And now he finds himself in the middle of a storm, pinned down, pinned down to the ocean. And here's what he says. I want you to read it. Get get out your smart device or your Bible. Verse Verse 39, it says, And when the day began to break, they recognized land. They did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach on it. So they plan to run the ship aground if possible. So they let Paul said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut the anchors. We're going to loosen the rudder. And we're going to raise the sail. And in the middle of the storm, boys, we're going to drive this vessel. Stay with me here. Give, Give me five minutes. In the middle of the storm, It was against sailing logic. But Paul realized that they couldn't, they could not take a position. The position of staying pinned down to the thing of common sailing knowledge was insufficient. It wasn't going to bring the victory. You know why Paul said cut the ropes? Because he had a word from God. Oh my goodness, give me a moment here. He had a word from God that said we are. he was going to Rome. He had a word from God that he was going to stand at the Roman Empire and plead his case. And he knew that if he stayed pinned down in the middle of the ocean to the bottom of the ocean floor that the word of God could not be fulfilled in him and so here's what he did he told those men he said cut the four anchors and so can you see those guys crawling out on the edge of that ship and they're thinking oh my goodness we've lost our mind this is the only thing keeping us safe and they're whittling it two. and when that rope's cut you can't bring it back because it falls down to the bottom of the sea floor. and the guy on the other side cuts that rope this one over here is sawing away on the rope of the Republican Party this one's sawing away on the rope of the democratic party and then there's these two guys on the back and he's sawing away on the rope of the libertarian party and then there's those free thinkers over here the independent folks god love us and he's sawing away on that rope and they're thinking we have all lost our mind and then there's a man named paul in the middle of the ship and he says okay boys raise the sail raise the sail loosen the rudder we're gonna drive this ship home And I'll tell you, when a man gets a word from God... It's more than anything. And Paul's standing in the middle of the ship. They begin to navigate that boat and through those troubled and tumultuous waters. No anchors. No retreating. No going back. They're moving forward. They're trusting in God. They're believing in a word from God. Out of all those people, it wasn't but one man. It had a word from God. Out of all these leaders in this world, we don't need somebody to tell us what they're going to do. We need somebody to say, this is what God wants to do. Cut the rudder. Ran loosen the rudder cut the anchors raise the sail and drive the ship the bible says where the two seas met they run that dude aground and the ship broke apart and the the uh the uh guards said kill all the prisoners so that they don't escape but one centurion ruler of the army stood up who paul had found favor with a most unlikely guy to find favor with the most brutal of leaders, <laughs> Paul found favor with him. He said, No, save, save the, save the prisoners. And they said, Whoever can swim, jump aboard and swim to the beachhead. And whoever can't, grab you aboard off the side of the ship and float there. And when they got there, they found a place called the Island of Patmos. I mean the Island of Malta. You know what happened on the Island of Malta? Revival broke out. Revival broke out. Revival broke out. They were building a bonfire in the middle of that bonfire. All of a sudden, a viper came up out of the fire and bit Paul on the arm. And they said, this man's a murderer. Which he was. Because it was a way they knew if a man was a murderer, if a viper would come out of that fire and bite him. It was a way they had uh, that they would know those things. But when Paul didn't die, they said, surely God, this guy must be a god. And so then they started bringing all the sick people to him to pray for him. And revival broke out. What does that mean? Why is that viper important to us today? Because when Paul, the hero of the ship... Brought them to safety. Listen, God did not hide him from his past. Oh my goodness! But He exposed His past that He may reveal His glory. I'm telling you today, church, if we will get to the part where we will cut the anchor, raise the sail, loosen the rudder, God won't remove our past, but He'll bring glory through it. <laughs> Mercy. Sorry, I get a little side beside myself when I think about that. What's the Bible saying to you? Quit honoring people who don't honor God by giving them your support. Just let me finish up here, sister. The reality is, God put them two people in this position. We can get as angry as we want, but the Bible says God puts people in position of authority. Everybody's saying we need to pray for grace. Listen, we've been living under grace for over 200 years. We better start praying for mercy. Amen. Revival broke out on the island of Patmos. Paul made it to Rome. When he got to Rome, they are like, we don't even know who you are. But I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to rent an apartment, put you up there, a furnished apartment. That's going to be your prison. You can't leave the apartment. So they rented this apartment, put Paul in it, and every day people came by. And every day, you know what Paul would say? Let me tell you what happened to me, man. I was this person of influence and power and authority. And I was on a road called Damascus. And one day Jesus turned my life around. And every day he'd tell a story. And every day he'd tell a story. He told that story so many times. He converted enough people that while he was locked up in a furnished apartment that the devil was paying for. He planted a church called the Church of Rome. And there's a book in your Bible where he wrote him a letter. Don't you limit our God. Get your head out of the political parties. Get it out of the political atmosphere and cut the anchor to what you've known. And let's just trust God. Let's trust God. Let's trust God. Train your children to trust God. Train your children. Train your children to follow God. Train your children to have favor in God regardless of what the world says. Paul was the only one. But you know what? 267 people were saved because one man got a word from God. That's how many people were on the ship. (laughs) Now, what was our problem? God is wanting to do something special in our country. And it may not be the way you want it. But he's not asleep at the wheel. God never forgets his people. Think about this. They, had the, they were in the middle of that ocean <clears throat> with four anchors pinned them down in the middle of a sea. The sail was down. The rudder was tied off. They had what we call in the south a hunker down mentality. <laughs> you picking up what I'm putting down. They had hunkered down and they were riding out the storm. And in the middle of the storm, one crazy man said, "We're going to sail in it." Church God didn't call us to hunker down. He called us in the middle of the storm to raise our sail, loosen the rudder, cut the anchors, and trust. In him. Today God's wanting to do something special in your life. I hope you'll make a decision to cut the anchors. We've been speaking about this in a political climate. You will probably hear a sermon series based off this passage in the future. Just letting you know ahead of time. When you get it again, don't think you're getting a warmed over biscuit. But today this is dealing with the political climate that we're in. As your pastor, if you came to me one-on-one, I would tell you to cut the anchor and trust God. Get your voting guide out <clears throat> and quit voting the way you used to and let's vote according to this. I know neither one of them are worth casting their ballots for. But find the one that most, that most, that, hold, that matches up with his word on more items. Find the one and support that person. Not the way you view it. The way God says it. (laughs) That's what we've been dealing with all summer. And who knows but revival might break out in the midst of adversity. Who knows? Who knows that revival And some of you here today, you've, been, you've got some anchors, man. They've been holding you back. Maybe today you need to cut some other anchors power, affluency, wealth, prestige, success, addiction, bondage. Maybe some other anchors in your life that are holding you back. Today, you just need to give those to Jesus. Father Lord, right now, would you move in our hearts and our Would you help us to cut the anchor and move forward? Lord, thank you that you appoint rulers that you appoint kings and authorities. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you stand to your feet, why don't you come today? If this is your altar. Maybe we just need to come here and start praying for God, praying that God would move in a mighty way, praying that God would speak to our hearts today. will not you come? Maybe we just need to pray about our attitude. Whew, Lord, I know I need to. I had to do some praying about my attitude before I could ever preach this thing. So I got my personal preferences. I got what I think. But what does God think? I know, I know, I know this is stretching you. I know it's stretching you beyond what you're familiar with, beyond what you normally normally think. But once you come today, right now, as they say, come, let God have his way.